This is Gulf Coast Life Arts Edition from WGCU. I'm John Davis. Thanks for joining us. We're all familiar with the phrase, all's fair in love, but does that include murder? That question lies at the heart of Player Circle Theater's currently running production of the mystery thriller comedy Murder at the Howard Johnsons. Themes of betrayal, death, friendship, love, and marriage run throughout the story of this very messy love triangle. Without giving too much away, when it comes to being the target of a messy and not-so-successful murder plot, none of our main characters escape unscathed. The play was written by the dynamic writing team of Sam Bobrick and Ron Clark and premiered in New York's Golden Globe Theater in 1979. The show's been delighting audiences with side-splitting laughter and subsequent productions ever since. The Saturday Review called it funny and intelligent, as well as magnificently zany. And Player Circle Theater artistic director and co-founder Bob Cassiopo, who also directs this production, has called it an out-and-out laugh riot. Preview performances of the show at discounted ticket prices began this past Tuesday, with the official opening night coming this Saturday, November 5th, and the show will run through Sunday, November 20th. Joining me now in studio for a closer look is the aforementioned director and Player Circle Theater artistic director, Bob Cassiopo. Always great to have you in studio, Bob. <laughs> it's great to be here. I love this show. And the actors who make up the members of this show's messy love triangle are with us in studio as well. Actor, singer, and model Angela Watson plays the role of Arlene. Watson may be most widely known for her role in the long-running ABC sitcom Step by Step. Remember TGIF in the 90s? I do. Uh, she played Karen Foster, one of the children of the blended family of parents Suzanne Summers and Patrick Duffy. She's originally from Illinois, but relocated to Southwest Florida for the first time when she was just 10 years old. And she's returning to the Players Circle Theater stage after performing in their production last season of The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, a show so affecting that it prompted me to completely lose my composure when I came to see it. She's also played something like eight different characters in Player Circle Theater's 2020 production of The Dining Room. Angela Watson, welcome to Gulf Coast Live Arts Edition. Oh, thanks for having me, John. It's great to be back here and actually spending my teen years in Florida is where I got started acting and really where my career took off. So to be back here and working with these great actors and with Bob and just been here, you know, <laughs> for many, many years is just wonderful. And I'm happy to be a part of it. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. We're glad to have you. Stephen Coe is also part of the show's love triangle, playing the role of the dentist Mitchell. Simply for the sake of time, Coe's local theater credits are too numerous to list, but some personal recent favorites of mine include roles in Laboratory Theater of Florida's productions of Dangerous Liaisons, Killer Joe, The Crucible, and Botticelli in the Fire. Oh my gosh, such an amazing performance there. Um, he was also so in Player Circle Theater's production of Lifespan of a Fact, and perhaps most recently co-performed in Theater Conspiracy's production of Clown Bar. That was an odd one. Stephen, <laughs> I've been a fan for a while now, so really pleased to finally get you in studio. Thank you, and very happy to be here. It's absolute pleasure. And playing the third member of our love triangle, Arlene's husband Paul, is actor and comedian R.C. Smith. Smith has mounted a widely successful career as a touring stand-up comic. For some two decades, he worked in television as a warm-up comic for such shows as ABC's Good Morning America and The Chew, as well as The Late Show with Stephen Colbert on CBS. He's also been featured on The Jimmy Fallon Show and has performed at many of the top comedy clubs around the country. R.C. Smith, thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. And you left out that I was a dancer and a model as well. So. I did leave Yeah, that. how dare you leave out the two <laughs> most important credits. You might get to see some of those skills if you come to the show. Yeah, you might see some dancing. <laughs> all right, yeah. all right. And modeling. <laughs> and modeling. <laughs> Well, 
to engage with us and your fellow listeners about this conversation or any of our shows, find us on Facebook at WGCU Public Media. On Twitter, we're at WGCU. Use the hashtag GCL. So, Bob, I want to start with you. What is it about Murder at the Howard Johnson uh, that made you want to, you know, not only take on a production of this show, but direct it as well, because you've directed this in the past too. Yeah, I, I've. There are some. <clears throat> there are some shows I just love, and <clears throat> this is one of them. I've directed the show three times. I directed it in 1992, so 30 years ago, with my wife starring as Arlene, and it was such a big hit. And then we did it in 2000 at Florida Rep, and did it again at 2015 in Florida Rep. You know, there's a. It's great to give people the gift of laughter and escaping, and there's no reason for this play to exist other than that's what it gives people. And I think I'm particularly happy, I didn't know when I picked this play nine months ago that we were going to (laughs) be... Dealing with Hurricane Ian and dealing with all the sort of strife that the community has had, but it is just such a perfect show to open our season with. And what I love about this show, it clearly reminds me of Mel Brooks' 1970s spoofs, satires, like Blazing Saddles, where he satired westerns, and uh, and High Anxiety, where he satirized Hitchcock. Well, these authors, very much like those movies, is satirizing double indemnity and the postman always rings twice where you know a lover and a woman are planning to kill a husband in one case for insurance money and in one case just because they're so in love and want to have a life together so that is the plot and I don't think I'm giving away uh, they're really inept at murder and no one ends up dying in this play at the end. Okay. But, uh, you know what? Except the audience because they die with laughter. Oh, there you go. Well there played. Go. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was reading the, the the you know the writing credits of the the men who created this, and I was I'm glad you brought that up because it's like get smart, um, you which know, is a Mel Brooks yes, show, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, the Smothers Brothers show, Bewitched, and I'm like, okay, it's it's gotta have a certain flavor to it. Um, right? Oh yeah, and 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 again. Uh, there are some shows like you can't take it with you, and and this show that are just going to be always be part of my. Uh, ensemble, my, my repertory of shows. So audiences can look forward to my next production in 2032. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And, and we're already casting at the three okay. of us, by the way. Okay, so. excellent, excellent. We'll bring them back. Uh, Angela Watson, what attracted you to to this role in this show? Do, do you find yourself more gravitating towards comedic roles versus drama, or does it really run the gamut with you? Oh, I love comedy. That's my first love. You know, growing up on the sitcom and getting the laughs, it's like that's just what makes me most happy. And so it was kind of going stretching me to be in Curious Incident and the drama, excuse me, the drama. Um, but I think I love the English accent most. That to me made it most fun since I've always wanted to be my fair lady. Oh, okay. And, um, but yeah, so I have to find something fun about it. And this is just pure fun. And these two guys are pure joy and uh, we're just having a good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Stephen and Angela, you know, I know you both have extensive experience, you know, in both comedic and dramatic roles. From the experience of an actor, do dramatic roles tend to take more out of you physically or emotionally or does it just kind of require a different energy altogether like at the end of the day does it matter do you leave a performance or a day of rehearsal just drain no matter the genre i would say that is the case yeah uh 
with that, we've actually had that conversation quite a bit during this production where in the more dramatic roles in, in a lot of those like brainy, really dig deep kind of things, yeah, you can get emotionally drained. That can really take it out of you. But often you can kind of pace yourself more. With this, there's just not a second of rest. We try and so much of our time has actually been finding the breaths, and that's what's helpful of having an audience, finding where the laughs are, where you can literally take a breath, um, because there's just so many little bits and pieces. There's so many uh, props. There's so there's there's a bit per minute. There's not like a single half page we don't get a laugh, that kind of thing. So it's it's just constant, constant, constant. You have yeah. to have that abject focus. You cannot And this lose one that is just second. so much physical comedy. It's really like we <laughs> I have to see my chiropractor after it. You know, okay. basically that, and that's not that's not kidding. Um, oh, yeah. but yeah, and so but in a way, because these characters, it's so emotional. I mean, sometimes I feel myself getting a headache just because of the concentration and the upset that the character is going through that it's really you know on par with any anything dramatic that I've done. There's an old yeah. story that in the times of uh, Moliere and the Comédie Française uh, that uh, supposedly an actor had a heart attack and was dying and a young novice actor in the company said to him as he was dying uh, what's death like? Uh, because he figured he learned something and the guy's last words Drama is easy. Comedy is hard. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, so actually, you know, for me, it, it actually, this is a much harder thing to do, to do comedy, because, you know, it's m so mechanical. It's a series of a setup and, and making sure no one moves on a laugh line and that, that, you, that you know how to handle it. So quite honestly, I think... So I know it sounds ridiculous, but doing a play like Death of a Salesman or Streetcar Named Desire in some respects is easier than doing a comedy like this, making sure all the mechanics are right. Yeah, because you're always on stage and in the back of your mind you're always thinking, what's next, what's mm -hmm. next, what's next, what's next? Yeah. You know, because there's always a bit coming up or, or a laugh line or something oh, like that. Oh, timing is so oh, important. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've yeah. all seen a joke just fall flat in an SNL sketch because somebody just flubbed a word. It's, exactly. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And that's that's where it's when you're doing more dramatic shows, it's so much about the emotion. It's so much about the moment you're in. But this it is so strongly technical. And it's exactly that you you move on the wrong second, then everything falls apart. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. Bob says, it's like the inner workings of a clock. It just all has to. Yeah, that's work part of together. the pleasure in watching a show like this. It's like watching the inside of a clock. That we'll see how all the gears move. It, it's it's really uh, it's it's so much fun <laughs> to do. And again, last night, you know, you can in rehearsals. I said, like, I'm a big cook and I love to cook. Uh, and I think directing is like cooking. You know, you, you, first of all, my wife sometimes like will be mad at me because I say I got to run through the store to get basil. She goes, "Listen, we have dry. No, I need real. I need well, fresh you, basil. That's right. You have to start <laughs> off with good ingredients, and the good ingredients I have are these three actors. Mm. All right, we start off with that. But but then you can cut the carrots and the celery and the onion and and sear the meat and have everything in the pot. But then it needs to cook. And then all of a sudden, the stew thickens. And even though everything was in the pot previously, it thickens. Well, last night, I think we all found our stew thickened. And last night, every gear, every joke was working. We ended up with a standing ovation. And we really, I really feel uh, it's going to be a really fun, sweet run. 
Yeah. Well, if, if all of your actors are quality ingredients, it seems like they all came from, from different farmer's markets. And just by that, I mean, you all have such different journeys to this stage. Wow. Um, like, like Angela, I think it was apparent probably from the age of three that you were going to be a performing artist. Probably. Stephen, I, I understand you didn't take your first acting class until middle school. And even then, it was just because you wanted to take an elective with your friends. Exactly. And, and RC, I, I understand you studied theater formally, acting, and, yeah. and then just got into to comedy. I, I um, The devil met me on the corner of Broadway and Sullivan Street in New York City and said, do you want to do stand-up comedy? And I did an open mic. And I was actually doing theater at the time. I was in a couple of off-Broadway shows. And the minute I did my first open mic, I went in the next day and gave my notice at both shows and said, I'm done. I'm going to be concentrate on stand-up. And then 34 years later, <laughs> here I am doing a show again. Yeah, so. I mean, because you're still doing the stand-up. Obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I made a six-week commitment to do this show, um, but the minute the show's over, I'm back on the road. So, so. what brought you back to, to the stage in this kind of format, and do you think you'll keep doing it? Um, I would go see plays in New York City all the time, and I was always just sitting there, and I was like, wow, I really miss it. I miss the rehearsal process. That's always my favorite part of doing the show is being in rehearsal. And I just really missed it. But I was working in TV, doing audience warm-up, and I was traveling on weekends, doing gigs, and there just wasn't a time for me to get involved in a play. And I kept saying, you know, the minute I get a chance, the minute I get a chance, I want to get back into theater. And then I was doing stand-up at uh, Player's Circle during the pandemic because they weren't doing shows. So Bob saw me at a comedy club and said, do you want to do a monthly show at Player's? And somehow he overheard me mentioning that I would like to do theater. He called me and said, do you want to be in a show? And I said, yeah, this is my chance to do it. And I cleared my calendar. I actually canceled gigs to do this for six weeks. You know, it seems like when you're doing like like a touring comedy show versus, you know, crowd work right. versus a stage show where there's a script you have to follow, these all require very – specific skill sets. And I'm wondering where you kind of see any points of consubstantiation because you can't improvise the way you do. And that was my biggest fear because my comedy, my stand-up is all crowd work. Yeah. That's all I do. Like Don Rickles, I just pick on the audience. That's terrifying. It is. Not for them. I mean, mean, yes for them. It's not for me, more for them. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's easy. I just show up and do it because I've been doing it for so long. And that was actually my biggest fear was can I memorize lines? Can I take direction from someone? Um, because as a comic, you show up, you do it, you go home. That's it. You know, and I direct myself. I'm the one. And the only rule is that if the audience thinks it's funny like they do in a play, then I keep it in my act. Yeah. Um, so that was my biggest fear was getting back into an ensemble and could I be a team player again? That was the thing that worried me more than anything. And memorizing the lines, I was terrified about that. So, yeah. And I still haven't memorized all of them. So okay. it's going very well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Stephen, you know, I've got to say, like, whenever I go to a local performance, I'm like looking, oh, Stephen, and okay, yes, <laughs> you know. But tell us how you got here from, you know, that first middle school acting class. Oh, Lord. Well, that's that is a long story. Um, no, yeah, because it was it was in middle school. It was at um, uh, Lee Acres Middle School where uh, my teacher, uh, William Gershner, who has unfortunately passed uh, a couple of years back, um, really kind of. Once I took that class, which I just took because it was a new elective and all my friends were put into it and I just moved into that school because they were all there and we had split from elementary school. And so I was like, 
ah, well, I don't know if I'm really into this. But they were like, no, they're, they're laughing. They're enjoying your work with that. And then that kind of repeated in high school where I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to the Center for the Arts and I'm going to take part in this. But I don't know if it's really something that I wanted to do. And then um, through a variety of just influence from film actually was more my interest at the time. Um I really discovered like, oh, you can really become a different person with this. You can really explore parts of yourself and your psyche and really throw yourself into it. And that's what I love to do. And so I just kind of kept going from there. And it's just – it's complete scattershot what I've actually done. Uh, the what We were talking just before this where it was like I've, I've lived here. It's 2022 now. I've lived here 20 years. And the only other two years I wasn't, I was in Orlando and I was doing Halloween Horror Nights. And I was doing all sorts <laughs> of just random short films, anything that I could do. And so it's just I I do whatever will have me. <laughs> if someone asks me to do something, I will probably do it. And um, But I just just – keep going, just never slowing down and really diving into whatever I can. Yeah. In addition to Universal's Halloween Horror Nights, and also, I know you also did a stint on the, on the murder mystery dinner train. Yes. Um, would you recommend every actor go through experiences like that? Does it, does it help? I personally feel like it does. Uh, my ethos that I've always had is really, if I can do this, I can do anything. That's that. Those are the kinds of things that I want to pursue. Is It's like, if I can Botticelli in the fire, if I can go up and do... 88 pages of a 90-page script with, like, a water break, I can do anything. If I can act and keep my balance and shout over the noise of a moving train and still keep people with it and laughing, I can do anything. And that's that's always what I like to do. And that's and Stephen's famous for being naked in plays. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> although, although you're never more naked than being doing comedy. There's a, there was an off-Broadway play about 30 years ago called Three Men Naked from the Waist Down. Because how vulnerable <laughs> are you when you – you know what I mean? Because you have – you can't – you know, in a Just drama, like you can a hide. Poo. Just wearing a yeah. shirt. Donald Duck. In, in a drama, you can hide behind the drama. <laughs> right. But in this, you know, these guys are vulnerable and naked from the waist down because uh, if they don't get a laugh, it's – but – uh, they're they're in they're in fine evening clothes because they they these three guys look awesome up there doing it. All right, and, and Angela, would it be fair to say your pathway to acting really sort of started in the competitive world of pageantry? Uh yeah, but even before that, in Illinois, I was tap dancing at three. And then my mom, just for fun, saw a pageant and said, oh, do you want to enter that? And I said, sure. And I did well in all the categories, except a dancer could never beat a singer, even if they weren't that great. So I said, I'm going to win talent. I'm going to be a singer. So I sang Walking After Midnight, Patsy Cline, mm-hmm. and I won. So I was like, okay, that's it. So that took off. Yeah, I have over, well, I don't have them anymore, but I had 200 trophies and 60 crowns for like two years. Wow. So wow. my path could have gone a different route, yeah. maybe Miss Florida or whatever if one day, but a man manager heard about me winning model of the year in Dallas, Texas, and told my parents, you should bring her to California. And and they just up and sold their beautiful new house on the water (laughs) that they had built and took me out there and gave me that shot. Yeah. And, and boy, did you take it. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So I was just in preparation, you know, all this week. I, I think about the show. I think about the actors. I was driving home the other day, and I started singing in my head the, the theme song. Yes. And I'm like, how do I know the entire song? It's oh, just been, so it's been right. rattling around yeah. in there for 30 it's years. Um, so seven seasons of that yes. show, I mean – 
that must have given you so much in terms of just experience, particularly with comedy. That was oh yeah, yeah. and to learn from Suzanne Summers and Patrick Duffy, who you might not think is a great comedian, but he is absolutely the funniest man <laughs> I I could know, and uh, just had a great time on the set with all the other kids, and it was a big family. Excellent, mm-hmm. excellent. <laughs> um, you know, earlier this year, I, I had spoken with another actor for a, a show, and and she had enjoyed a, a lot of early TV success. She was one of the stars of Silk Stockings. Okay. But just found that she she needed to she, the stage was where mm. she belonged. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think about going back into TV or do you oh, like yeah. this? The, the, you, you, sure, you yeah. still do both. Absolutely, I'm. You know, I still actually audition for Atlanta and some of the parts in the southeast up here. So um, I might be getting more serious into that too because they kind of want you to be in that location. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, if. It, you know, growing up on the show where you can cut and redo a take. So the stage is, is more terrifying, but, you know, it's it's just a lot of fun and getting that audience reaction and really paying attention to the other actors and <laughs> to what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, of course, you're, you're an amazing singer. Um, I, I know Julian Sumpy. I yes. was actually just talking to his wife uh, this morning, but he produced uh, yes, um, uh, we uh, love Santa, Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Yeah. yeah, you can see that on YouTube. A fun Christmas tune that actually a local dermatologist or dermatologist, uh, ophthalmologist, or uh, no, he's not an ophthalmologist. He's just an optometrist. Optometrist. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Dr. Michael Witherington, he wrote this amazing song as well as many others. But um, just after an exam, he said, oh, do you want to sing my song? And I said, sure. And the next thing you know, I was in the studio. <laughs> so you never know. <laughs> And you and your husband have this YouTube channel. There's all these hilarious <laughs> sketches oh, and, uh, and even like inspirational, oh, aspirational you, yeah. types of videos. Was that something that was kind of born out of the early days of the pandemic when we were it all was, in lockdown? Yes. Well, my, I drug my husband from California, who I met in acting class, and we were married right before the pandemic, thankfully, is uh, on his mother's birthday. Um, but if you go to lovebirds2020.com, you can see some of the the COVID skits that we did during the pandemic and uh, other devotionals. Yeah. It's good Mm -hmm. stuff. And you can, I mean, the fun and the love and that relationship just radiates from the screen. It (laughs) was fun. If you're just joining the show, we're speaking with the stars of Player Circle Theater's current production of the suspense comedy play Murder at the Howard Johnsons, Stephen Coe, R.C. Smith, and Angela Watson. And we're also joined by the director of the show and Player Circle Theater founding artistic director Bob Cassioppo. If you would like to comment on our conversation or engage with fellow listeners, again, you can find us on Facebook at WGCU Public Media. And on Twitter, we're at WGCU using the hashtag GCL. Um, you had talked a little bit earlier, Angela, about the the, the physical comedy in this, mm-hmm. and I, I'd, I'd seen I think what must be a promotional photo where RC, your hands are around Stephen's neck, and <laughs> Angela's got the mascara running yeah. down her face. I mean, ha- have any of you or all of you gone through any kind of, I guess, stage combat training, or like, how do you, what's in, how do you not really hurt yourselves <laughs> or, or each a, other? It is a lot of work. Yeah, no, that's that's something that I I very extensively did. Um, just a lot through uh, previous productions. Just as you go, you learn different, in a way, kind of like bits. You, you you learn different techniques of uh, safe ways to uh, hurt each other, <laughs> or to not rather. And that's 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 actually uh, I've been told before that uh, through my work in the area, there's now a growing club of actors who have 
beaten me to tears. <laughs> and it should be a Facebook club. Yeah. yeah. No, and it's, and it's very funny to me. But no, it's, it's, it's that same sort of thing that we were saying with the comedy is that there's just such a fine technique of it, of finding the line of the visual honesty to sell that while also not actually hurting yourselves. And, to, and it just like the particular way that you hold your neck, the particular ways that you – where you – we're, we're basically the person the, – the, the, the rule of thumb is that the person being done vi- – the person the violence is being done upon is in control at all times. Okay. And lots of eye contact, lots of rehearsal. Uh, I've been choked so, so, so many times. Uh, <laughs> I've been thrown into fridges. I, all, all sorts of things like that. But it's it's all very fine work and uh, – and it's that's actually I've always found a fascination with um, stuntmen and actually professional wrestlers because it's they are some of the finest physical actors on the planet because of the level of craft you have to put into that. It's mind blowing to be able. And to having that said that, I think that all three of us we haven't hurt each other, but we found every edge and every corner and every exposed <laughs> oh, screw yeah. and nail <laughs> on the set. So we all have bumps and bruises and band-aids because and, uh, it's just so physical. And at some point, you know, you, you're you running around or moving and climbing. There's climbing in this. There's <laughs> all sorts of things. So we all have bumps and bruises from that. Yeah. We So it's self-inflicted of most of our injuries. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, we're, we're great to each other. Right. <laughs> we're, we're all getting along great. Right. <laughs> To, to the surroundings around us. Who knows? Yeah. But. And with a show like this, I feel like I would be worried about losing my composure and just mm-hmm. laughing. Um, is that something that you concern yourself with or did you kind of maybe get all that out in the weeks of rehearsal? I think there's – we got it all out, but I, I think that there's so much concentration going on that – and I, I can't speak for them, but for me – and it's like this in my comedy as well, that once I've said something, I've moved on in my mind mm-hmm. to, okay, what's next? What do I have to do next? Who am I going to talk to next? What line am I going to do next? Where are we in the script? So living in the moment is one thing, but there's it's so weird because I try to explain it to people all the time that when you're a performer, you're – actually thinking about four or five different things at once. It's just, it's the weirdest mindset to be in because you're doing the lines, but you're thinking about, okay, that went well. You're thinking about, I have to do this next. You're thinking about, you know, what am I going to have to drink after the show? I mean, there's all these things going on in your mind. So we we haven't broken up too much yet. There's a moment at the end of the show that Bob said none of his previous actors have been able to keep a straight face. And I thought it was going to be tough, but I think... Last night I conquered that and I felt like the focus that mm-hmm. I had with the other actor, with Steven, that we were good. So <laughs> Yeah, in my three previous productions, there was a, a bit that I put in at the end of the show. Now, previously I had serious Shakespearean actors like playing these farcical roles and they could never keep a straight face at this one moment at the very end of the show. And so I applaud this cast because they have the first cast that ever did this certain bit. That involves uh, uh, a da, 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 da. Oh. <laughs> Don't do not say a word. Stop it. But Stop uh, it. These, I, I applaud them. They they again because it's funny. It should be funny for the people on the audience side of the proscenium arch. But on the other side, it's not funny to these people. They are desperately in love. They want to kill the husband. Then the husband wants to kill. You know, it, it, for them, it's serious. 
I'm also very selfish because I want the laugh. Yeah. As opposed to making myself laugh. I want the audience to give me the laugh. Yes. So I'd, I'd much rather be selfish than, than break up. It works. It <laughs> yeah. works. And, and Bob, anybody who's come to Players Circle Theater knows that, you know, you feel like you're right there when you're in the audience. Yeah, is this going to be the same way? Like I've we're going to be uh, in that I've run lodge, hotel room with everybody. Yeah. Okay. I've run lodge theaters, uh, and in my last theater, I had a 400 seat theater, and then I built a hundred seat theater, and it turned out again and again, people love the hundred seat theater better. And so this theater was designed that no seat is more than four rows from the action. So there's something really thrilling about being that close, you know. And and everyone knows like. Film is a, a, a solo thing. It, it's done. It's in the can. But in live theater, anything could happen. And every night is a little bit different depending on the audience. And we hear everybody in the audience. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, we're yes. just, I mean, we're at, at times, when wherever we're on the stage, we're a foot away from the audience. So we hear them whispering to each other and how involved they are in it. So that's another way we can sort of get a gauge on how it's going. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, that we are out of time. This has been the fastest half hour of my life. But uh, thank you so much to my guests. We've been speaking with the stars of Player Circle Theater's current production of the mystery thriller comedy Murder at the Howard Johnsons, Angela Watson, R.C. Smith, and Stephen Coe, along with the show's director and Player Circle Theater founding artistic director Bob Cassioppo. Preview performances are currently running. The official opening night is this Saturday, and the show runs through November 20th. And for more information or to reserve your tickets, visit playercircletheater.com. Thank you so much to all of you for being Thank with you me today. Thank you, John. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website, wgcu.org gcl, or subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Our show today was produced by Jared Gonzalez and yours truly. Our director is Richard Chinqui. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thanks for listening. I'm John Davis. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida. <laughs>